Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Welcome back to Pixel Sift, Radio Murdoch's weekly video game show. Each week we sift through the gaming news, pulling out all the nuggets of gaming gold. I'm Gianni, and this is episode six, and I'm joined in the studios by my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Hey. Hey, hey. This week we're going to be talking all about fan backlash and what happens when you get your most passionate fans offside. Fans are mad, yes. Uh, Outraged even, especially those of Payday 2 getting very mad about things that have been brought into games, changing the way that games have, you know, the game was previously being played. So it's all getting in there. Mm -hmm. What happens when you annoy the people who care most about your games? We're going to have a look about that. We're also going to be talking about how gamers identify with characters in game. Do you play games to be someone else or do you take on a role? We are filling in all the stat points on that one there. Humans have the capacity to take themselves somewhere other than where they are physically. We do it mentally all the time. But as a species, we've constantly developed new technologies to help us do it better. That's Dr. Jim Blaskovich talking all about virtual re- reality and identity and gaming. Oh, classic Jim. Jim, he's on the money there. <laughs> uh, first up, though, we're going to have, uh, for some people around the world, this weekend is one of, the, of costumes, lollies, and spooky fun. Not to be left out, we talk about games that get in on the spirit of real-world events. Yeah, so um, pretty much um, throughout the year, um, pretty much um, we all like to celebrate different events throughout the year and um, things like that, such as Halloween. And um, video game companies have been pretty much embracing that as much as we do. So we'll be talking all about yeah. that and more coming up soon on Pixel Sift on RadioMurdoch.com and also on podcast. Whether PC, handheld, or console, Pixel Sift, Radio Murdoch. First up, though, we are talking all about the seasonal events that you might find in games. Mitch, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so pretty much, Johnny, we've been having a look at seasonal events, and one passing by is actually Halloween, and we love to celebrate them. And uh, video game companies have come to embrace that as well. So um, they deliver great holiday-specific content for their users. Um, So with Halloween coming around, I thought it would be a great idea to take a look at some of the fun events that games have given us in the past and some that are coming around right now. Um, Sounds so, good. It's yeah. a really good way for people to who are playing your game to kind of have a bit of an interesting, different sort of content. It's really good if you're making a game where you want people to actually play your game for a specific time because yeah. they can only get this during this amount of time frame. So 
I so, really like seasonal events in games. I'm a big um, MMO player from back in the day, so I am very big in on the seasonal events and collecting all the little trinkets and whatnot that yeah. you can get as part of that. Um, I think they're really great, and I, but the, the only thing is that you don't want to... There's always this this fear of missing out. That's true. So you true. don't want to get into it too late and not have enough time to earn all the things that you want. Yeah. Then you've got to wait until next year, or maybe next year they won't have it at all. Exactly. So like uh, it, it things like um, mostly the MMOs are great examples of this because um they have the ability to push live updates and have definite like things that players can enjoy pretty much like i guess very topical i think i think it's also like a uh, specific things that players can unlock you know special items yeah only halloween specific etc yeah so a number of things um we got the um of course wow hollow's end um they that's what that's their that's their in-game i guess halloween, halloween themed event halloween yep. themed event mm-hmm. um this week um it's just pretty much i guess you can just earn treats and things in game um i don't think they do much um for gameplay but i think they are just um there is a boss basically there's an yeah. extra like boss that you can get and he drops like specific items and there'll be cosmetic items which is interesting when we're talking a bit later on about identity and virtual reality and all that sort of things it's all this extra stuff that you can add to your character um, and that only comes around once a year so if you yep. miss it you do miss out on it I mean there is a game we haven't talked about it much but um, you're going to be getting it on a, this week aren't you Mitch you, this, is a, this little one you may not have heard of it before what's the what's the game that you're going to be playing this weekend for the, for the seasonal Destiny Exactly. <laughs> Destiny. Yeah. So Destiny's got a big... Yeah, uh, so they have something called Festival of the Night. And they did and a little bit of this last year as well. They did a little bit of it last year, and it was very fun. I think we got, like, a small jack-o'-lantern head thing, and that made the Guardian experience um, creepy sounds while you played. But this year, they've stepped it up a notch. Um, if you visit Tess in the Tower, you get a certain amount of quests, and you get to unlock different masks and uh, things, and you have to unlock specific versions of them to be able to keep them. And this, so, it's, it's the way that they've set it up, they've kind of encouraged you to get into certain different aspects of the game as well. Yes. So, for yeah. example, you have to go and collect, uh, you do trick-or-treating, and you do that by playing the multiplayer. And yeah. once you've, you know, trick-or-treated enough people, basically in the multiplayer you're shooting them, um, <laughs> then you earn uh, things that you can trade for other But there are, also, um, there are also things that aren't just cosmetic. There are different buffs that you can get and debuffs from the specific candies, and I use air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them increases reputation gain. One of them... I believe, increases um, a certain gun experience. I think some of them actually might hinder you as well. And then some of them do nothing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's very um, cool when you've got content like this that comes out regularly. You can look forward to it. You can plan your time while you're doing it. Yeah. And, and having it change a little bit every year. Um, the MMOs are always very big for this. I mean, Destiny kind of, I guess, falls into the MMO sort of category because it's I think people it that play these games for long term, so they're going to be playing it through months and months and mm-hmm. months. It's not like, you know, your latest blockbuster release where they're going to have one game and once you finish it, you're, you're done. You move on to the next thing. But, I mean, even the um, some of the multiplayer games, I know Call of Duty, they've included um, yeah, absolutely. seasonal events. I mean, while uh, you know seasonal events are a big part of the MMO calendar, I guess, uh, as well as another one on top of that is uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, yep. They've got All Saints Awake coming yep. this year. Uh, but also, yeah, like you said, your battlefields and whatever, and even your, your smaller handheld devices. I mean, um, 
Angry Birds and you know Plants vs Zombies they they heavily embrace the um, seasonal events. Fallout Shelter, which oh. is one of the new handheld sort of like uh, games, that's sort of a promo for the new Fallout game. They've got big on the uh, Halloweeny sort of eventy stuff. So I mean, it, you- it really makes sense for handheld devices as well because they're smaller little games that you constantly kind of come make back to. little tiny changes to, and they'll make you come back. Yeah, and it always works on me anyway. Um, they suck at me in every time. An interesting one now, a new player on the block, Rocket League, the uh, car. Soccer game has six new Halloween items. I believe there's a set of wheels and, and a couple of hats. Cool. Which is, uh, if you're a fan of Team Fortress. The best thing that. I think about these Halloween events, and not just Halloween, but seasonal as well, is that most of the time they are just extra things that you can get that are included. I mean, there are a few exceptions. Some of the Destiny stuff that comes out for Halloween this year, you do need to pay for. But mm-hmm. um, most of the content is just extra things you get for playing the game. It's a little reward for mm. your continuous kind of and play it's of not, the game. Yeah, it's not just, um, you know, MMO games or multiplayer games as well. So for one of the big examples when we were looking at this story was um, in the Arkham, Batman Arkham games, mm-hmm. there is a character called Calendar Man, and he's one of the antagonists of batman and if you go back to him on specific days during the year he actually says specific different things Mm -hmm. so if you go on christmas if you go on halloween if you go and he makes mentions and in one of the most recent ones uh if you go there on a particular day he's actually gone and from the game after that point because something in the plot actually happens and then I see he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then if you go somewhere else, then it triggers another event in the game. And but people I, only find that by changing the clock on their Xboxes and Playstations. And I or, think from a, from a game perspective, a gameplay perspective, it feels like these kind of things really make it feel like the game itself is evolving and it's a progressive world, which I think is what people are looking for nowadays. Mm-hmm. They don't want their game to just be static and sit there and just be the same for the rest of time. They want things to evolve and they want they want a progressive universe and i think this kind of thing really helps with that i think it does yeah as well having all the yeah extra stuff that kind of keeps you in there and and keeps you playing with other people especially um you know multiplayer content where you're going to have to be teaming up with your friends and Mm -hmm. getting in there to try and work towards something and it's only a short amount of time to earn something a bit cool and a bit unique as long as you know, it's not like, uh, you know, we've got all this content where it's locked behind a price, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later that was previously free. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it becomes the season of charging more for your customers <laughs> rather than um, a seasonal event. Uh, there's, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for them to do other interesting things in this. I really like it, to be honest. I think that would be that having games which have extra bits and pieces that unlock through time is cool. Um, as long as there's often, you know, if you've got a chance to take part in it fully. So... Sounds good. Let's get in on some more seasonal events. This season is season episode six, actually, of Pixel Sift. That was a weird... Season one. Season one (laughs) of Pixel Sift, episode six. Let's go into our next topic. You're listening to Pixel Sift on Radio Murdoch. Right, so we're having a look a bit at how people identify with the characters in, in games and how when you're playing a game, your identity actually either becomes a part of the character you're playing or you can be playing as a character. There's always conversations about this when people are playing games when they're talking about the negative roles of people taking on an identity in a game. Whenever there's a backlash of games doing some particular bad thing, people always say, oh, that's because someone is pretending to be, you know, X or Y. Mm. Um, And I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about when you're playing games, how do you feel when you're playing your characters? Well, I, guess, I, I mean, I think it depends on game to game. 
you, you take different roles, you take different characters, so you take on, I guess, that kind of stance. If you're mm-hmm. playing Tomb Raider, do you think that you're Lara Croft, or are you just Absolutely. Like Lara Croft? <laughs> She's my spirit animal. <laughs> but you think you're a Tomb Raider, you know, you're not a you're not a, a warrior or a, a mage or something, you know. You you take on the appropriate part that you're playing, I guess. I think in in a game such as like th- where you construct how your character appears and what they wear and what they use as equipment, I think it becomes very personal. In the MMOs, like WoW, and I'm going to talk about Destiny again because that's what I play a lot. The the role as a hunter I play in Destiny, I'm I'm very I think I'm very personally connected to, and I relate to that again because you take on that role and you play like that person. Mm-hmm. Like, if you didn't play like that character, you probably wouldn't choose that character or yeah. be very successful with that character. But, but one it's of like, the first things you usually do when you start a game is usually like, who do I want to be? You pick a character name, yeah, or you know even on your console you can pick a, a gamer name or you know the mm-hmm. username that you're going to be playing with and a big part of that is that you know you, you kind of become attached to the character that you are playing while you're playing a game for example there's always been talk of the PlayStation network being allowed to let you change your PlayStation network ID now just this week they've talked about and they've sent out another thing saying hey would you like to change your PlayStation network ID and if, if the question was asked to me the answer is yes you mean <laughs> the uh, the PlayStation ID that I created when I was 17 in like five seconds yeah yeah, yeah I'd love the absolutely. chance to be able to update that yeah, exactly <laughs> my one is uh, just something I just I don't even use anymore at all and I'd like and I'm very I'm much a completionist and I like to have everything all the same and I've got this one name for PlayStation ID and then everything else is every is the same um so if they let me change that, it would be good because my gamer name is pretty integral to what, yeah. when I'm playing games. I, I mean, it's not a huge thing, but I like being that username. And when people are playing games with me in across different games, they know that they're playing with me. It's it's interesting that PS PSN was encouraging people not to want this because they wanted people to use their real names hmm. on PSN, which is something that came out with the PS4. So they were saying you can use your PSN name or you can use your real name. And that was interesting to me. Hardly anybody has done it. That's I think thing. I've got one person who's got a real name on there. Yeah. In my list. Well, you can it. you can absolutely request it from someone so they show up as their real name. Yeah. But people are not largely defaulting to it. Well, you make friends with people online when you're playing these games as mm-hmm. well. And yeah. your character, especially this is a multiplayer thing specifically. For example, yeah. if you're talking about Destiny, your character looks a particular way. Yep. And you identify as a particular gamer tag or username or PSN ID. Exactly. And... When you go and play with other people, it doesn't matter what your real name is. That's who you are at that's the time. That's true, yep. And that's the role that you're taking on and your identity is that you are a guardian defending Earth from blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. Or, you know, you're a warrior defending Azeroth or you're something else. And having this identity... Be it, separate from your own, I think, is what people value. Yeah. Yeah, but also it becomes a big part. I mean, think about how people are taking their their character names and their usernames and becoming really famous for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. think about some yeah. of the biggest names that we know about. Like, for example, PewDiePie, for example. <laughs> like, he's known as mostly that. I don't even know yeah, what his real name that's is. True. Yeah, I don't know what his real name is either. That's some, true. Some guy from Europe. Yeah. Um, and he, that's his identity when he's doing it. And it's like people who write books. You know, they put it under a pen name or that's something true. like that. Yeah. You know, when you're in a game, you're experiencing Well, that this. being said, like, we were discussing... I think a couple of months ago, my my friends and I would would we wear a t shirt with like our gamer tag on the back of it, our, our PSN names on the back of it, and I said absolutely, and one person in particular said no because their their PSN was made when they were a kid, and it's pretty hilarious. I'm not going to mention it now. Also, but, like, depends what game you're playing. Cause that's some, true. You're an antagonist. 
and you're not going to make friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if someone sees you at Gamertag, they're like, hey, it's that guy. All get of a sudden, him. you get a punch yeah. in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want anyone uh, having game-related violence. That's no, the worst exactly. thing. Um, yeah, I find whenever people are talking about identity and, and role-playing, especially when you think about games that are super deep, like your Skyrims, your Oblivions, your... Mm. Um, all those sorts of things where people create a character. When I, well, I don't know. Do, when you create a character in a game, do you where you get to customize the appearance? Do you make them look like you, or you just make them look cool? I mean, if possible, I think you go through that. And if you realize you haven't got much room to move, you kind of just go with whatever you want. Yeah. But I mean, there's. I Albino think creating it, yeah, that that first profile, especially let's say Skyrim, mm-hmm. uh, is one I can kind of freshly remember, even though it was a little while ago. Um, there's almost this like kind of anxiety like to creating a character like you're going to miss out on something else as well like you've been given these choices and it's such a hard choice i, I always think, do a um, little bit of research as well because i want to make sure i'm getting what i want well my first <laughs> my first character gamer. in any game usually i try and make look like me except for the case in destiny where i'm a robot yeah but um but what do you mean like that looks can, like you you're a robot yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like um I think if if there's like serious customization, I would make it look like me. But my second character is usually completely different and usually and usually female mm. because I just want to see hear what the voice sounds like but and how that character approaches the world. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I do a very similar thing myself, yeah. just to see what like I go the completely opposite way, just to see you know what the other side is like. Yeah, there's, there's really interesting um, studies have been done when people who are going through sort of identity, personal identity crises, or you mm-hmm. know they're trying to redefine their their identity. They say that often gaming actually helps with them role playing a different identity before they assume it in their real life. Well, it's a good that's amount interesting. of. Um, uh, I mean, gaming in general, I feel, is a really nice escapism type thing. And as far as these roles and these online personas really being important to you. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't exactly know what my point there was. It's good. It's escapism. I think it's very valid and important. As Jim Blaskovich said, <laughs> we've been doing it for a long time, and now we've got lots of different technologies in which we can better than ever. Yeah, you know, we, we can we can go online and control a completely different identity and and stay with that for as long as we want. I'm in not a- saying that's overly healthy because you know it can be taken too far, but it's it's really good for uh, yeah. But yeah. in a largely safe environment. I think, like, I mean, you can't really get hurt online, which, that being said, I'm aware of cyberbullying, and I do acknowledge that that is a problem. You say largely safe, but, sure. But, I mean, like, you're not going to get murdered by a computer. Well, that yet. was one of the criticisms as well yeah. when they were bringing in these real name policies. Yeah. Is that people often go to escape from current other things. Exactly. And people who are trying to target them will often target them at any method they will do. Yeah. You know, so by introducing policies where people had to you know marry up their their real name and their username mm-hmm. it was causing issues for people yeah it's um i think this whole thing about how people how you play games and what what you do as a person is something that is my, my personal always be- developing my personal belief is i don't think it i don't think video games should be seen as a refuge and or a place to hide i i don't think that if you if you feel like you need to hide from life struggles online i think you need to actually seek help but but it like, could be that people don't have any other options you that's know? true you but know I, they could I, be in a situation where they actually haven't got any other ways to do it and they may be in yeah. something that's you know difficult and hard to deal with and yeah. maybe games are the only escape they have and that's what mm. actually pulls them out of these things so yeah but i feel like it, you know, it, hopefully you don't want people to be in that situation yeah, yeah. Absolutely and i know not. what you're trying to no. say Mitch. You're, you're right like if somebody is in in that kind of drastic uh, situation that yeah they need kind of help and they shouldn't just rely on games but yeah. 
the, the fact is that I, I like that it's an option, but I feel like people should be seeing it not necessarily as a refuge, but as a gateway to something better. Sure. Instead yeah. of like, instead it's, of maybe seeing it as a bunker, but more as a bridge to a new experience. Yeah, you could, could be, be a safe zone to socialize. Yeah. Or, or, it, or to break that kind of, uh, I guess, um, mold break, of socializing. Yeah, break the ice and maybe give yeah, you exactly. a bit of confidence to go and actually do change something in your life mm-hmm. and go out and, you know, seek uh, people who can, who actually help you and, and benefit you and stay away from, you know, the, the influences in your life which negatively affect you. So, yeah, I think um, game identity is very, very interesting. I find it very fascinating. I'm similar to you. Like, I will personally, I'm, I'm when I'm picking characters, if I can't customize it completely myself to make it look like whatever, I'll often just go, oh, that one looks the best. I'll yeah. pick that. You know, like, oh, I don't like the way that the male character looks, so I'll just pick the female character. Right. And yeah. it's just almost completely arbitrary between the way they do it. And when I'm playing the games, I'm... I, I guess it, yeah, as you said, it does depend on the way th- which game you're playing, but you often don't think of them as yourself. You're like, I'm just moving this dude around the screen and, yeah. you know, uh, but then but, other games you do, so. Yeah, I think, like, but you eventually end up, if you invest enough time into something, you end up just relating to it, I think, whether it's not, like, a specific vehicle in a game that you like a lot or a gun or, like, a sword that you've worked towards getting and spent a lot of time using. The and gear you know, list that you've been working yeah. hard for. So it's not necessarily, like some, some games, it's not even tied to your character. It's like the, the all the characters look the same, but the gear they carry is different. For example, Minecraft. So yeah. like, oh, well, I guess characters can look different in Minecraft. But mm. like in GTA, for example, I feel a very <clears throat> strong connection to the vehicles that I drive in that game. Yep. So it's yeah. just my character doesn't actually mean much even though he does kind of look like me yeah but yeah it's interesting to see how people kind of express themselves in games as well and and, and either they do it through customization or they they play a character and they do a particular thing in a game um there's lots to talk about in this um this particular topic about how people play their games and how they identify with characters in which they play You can check out Pixel Sift and all the other great Radio Murdoch shows on www.radiomurdoch.com. Read blogs, check out the upcoming schedule, and listen back to previous shows. Radio Murdoch, The Student Wave. You are on Radio Murdoch, The Student Wave. This is Pixel Sift. Um, We are at episode 6 of our podcast we are getting Can very you believe excited we're here episode six i know it's been, it's been quite out. six yeah. weeks since we started this it's really exciting um we have a show every week on thursday you can listen to us live on radiomurdoch.com you can also get us on the podcast as well finally though for our final topic today we are going to be talking a little bit about when fans get mad yeah and the reason why we're discussing this today is that uh payday 2 or the developer of uh payday 2 uh overkill software have just released an update called the Black Market Update, which is basically uh, the beginning of microtransactions within the game, which is something they always like vowed they would never do. So there's been, as I said before, a huge community outrage. Um, basically, what's happening is it's as being a high space game, you collect safes, and to open these safes, they're basically going to have to be charging you two dollars forty nine to uh, obtain the drill to open it. I mean, you, there are going to be chances to win the drills outside of uh you know purchases but not really not this, comp- this is a model that they've used quite a lot in um team fortress 2 yep so they have chests and crates and things like that and they actually sell the keys 
mm. in which to so you can have them you can sell the crates on to other people if you're not interested in buying yeah so you, you can, can that's interesting yeah that's, that's another, very that's interesting that's another thing in Toria yeah. we could talk about but what we're focusing on today is the fan backlash and the backpedal by the company I believe I think it's basically what happened with this story was they went into doing AMA which is an ask me anything on Reddit yep. and all the people were like so why are you locking away things behind actually paying money for your game we are super excited about your game and now you're just kind of like well we need more cash from you people yeah, we're going to do everything that we said we wouldn't do and I can understand the outrage uh, these are obviously loyal fans there's a big problem when companies set themselves up and have said one thing and then go against it yeah the other big backlash that i remember very clearly and was a big part of this was when people finally got to the end of mass effect 3 and mass effect is a game that had basically been pulling all of your choices that you'd been making across all different games so one two and three all the decisions you'd made in that were supposed to accumulate in a completely different sort of ending Mm. at the end of mass effect 3 was basically three choices and it made no difference what you'd done up to that point as soon as you'd reached the point in which you'd earned those three choices one of those three choices were the ones that you had to pick and people were not happy well no. i i think were people not pe- were people not happy with the fact that the endings were necessarily bad or the fact that there was not much variation between the three i think the the, the problem that people had was both that they didn't love the endings right the endings were they were kind of ambiguous and they were sort of similar-ish. There was no real good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But they also had no... It it, it was no bearing, basically. It meant that you'd, yeah. you've done all this work and you'd got to this point and at the end, none of the choices you made had because mattered. Because my, my problem is I never had the pleasure of playing Mass Effect 3 yet. But my problem with it when I watched... Because I was very curious at the backlash. I watched all three endings and my issue was that they all largely looked the same regardless of a bunch of characters that may or may not have lived. Yeah, they're pretty similar. The big problem as well is they they hype up throughout the whole game that you need to prepare and you need to work on these things and you need to make sure you do the right stuff. And for people who are real completionists of games who want to get everything and get the perfect score and get everything, it meant that everything that they worked on basically accounted to meant for nothing. If someone put in five minutes, didn't worry about getting for galactic readiness or whatever, then it meant that they would still get the same three choices. But see, right. there, is a, there is a bit of a difference here uh, in, in the backlash styles. I mean, Payday 2, kind of as a developer, they've gone against the wishes and, and promises to their fans. Whereas with Mass Effect 3, I mean, that feels like a maybe a scripting and a writing problem. Like, they must have, might have, must have started off with the best of intentions for the story I and see, then yeah. just kind of lost steam along the way or maybe just not had the skill to really pull together such an amazing story in the way that they promised it was absolutely an ambitious process and you're actually you're entirely right scott these are two different levels of outrage Mm. that we need to be treating differently i think yeah and that's fine like i just wanted to make that distinction absolutely yeah yeah there's different there's a difference here (laughs) in the end from the backlash that everyone uh did there was a change basically there was a dlc package that came out after the fact and it expanded out the options and sort of fleshed out the storyline. So it's basically the people who, who complained the loudest got what they wanted from these things. Yeah. And there was an um, example when Left 4 Dead came out. Everyone was super excited. It had out, it'd been out for not that long. And um, then Valve announced that there was a sequel to be coming out. And everyone, when they started talking about the game originally, Valve was saying, we're going to expand this with with multiplayer packs and we're going to include more details so people can create it's their own maps. have long legs. Long legs. But basically what happened was they were like, actually, no, we're going to make a sequel straight away. Mm. So everyone got really mad about this and they were big calls to boycott the game. People cancelled their orders. Um, there was not any of these... Uh, 
you know, the fans were up in arms about it. In After the fact, when the Left 4 Dead 2 actually came out, uh, Gabe Newell, who's the head of Valve, uh, actually said that Left 4 Dead 2, for people who joined the boycott group on Steam, we looked at their pre-orders, and they're actually pre-ordering the product at a higher rate than Left 4 Dead 1 owners who weren't in the boycott. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, because uh, going back to the Payday 2 thing, um, so Overkill producer uh, Almer Listo stated in response to the backlash uh, that from an economical standpoint, uh, completely based on statistics, we can already see that the black market update is working as we intended. So regardless of all the backlash, it's already paying off for them. I think it's a problem So people with- are already paying for it. It's already happened. It's it's already working. Well, you see, here's the thing that's always going to be true. The most vocal people, no matter the minority, will be heard. They're probably not representing the majority of gamers who go... Like, in a room of a thousand quiet people, the one person that's yelling at the top of their lungs, you will notice them. Yeah, sure. I mean, these boycotts and petitions do work. I mean, that Mass Effect ending changed. Um... You were talking about the uh, Xbox One redesign change. Yep. Um, Dark Souls getting ported to PC. I mean, you're right. They, even though these uh, small kind of minorities um, shouting out, sometimes things do happen. I mean, these are not common stories. This doesn't happen a lot. No. But if, if there's a strong strong enough outcry and coming from a good enough place, uh, I think it works. But do you find it's happening more often? Um, I mean, I don't follow outcries and backlashes enough to think that there's a spike or anything. That's true. Um, mm. But there's more games than ever and there's more bigger, uh, there's wider spread communities than ever. So sure, I mean, I guess so. There's going to be more people getting uh, up in arms about it because there's more people, you know. It's easier to get your getting thing out there now. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it 10, 20 years ago, if you had a problem with the game, what would you do? What are you going to do about it? Write to a games magazine, I guess, or, <laughs> you know, who would you do? It's easier to get but now on you Reddit can, now. You can email the person that made it. Or yeah. you could start a yeah. thread on Reddit like they did. That's true. And then just hijack it. And yep. then your, uh, you know, your opposition to the decisions that they've been making is out in the open. It, it is. Face. It's mob mentality. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Like, but... Yeah, is is that it as a whole positive? I mean, I guess it is in the case of maybe the Xbox One incident, like E3 incident back in 2013, I believe. Like some good things yeah. come about these. Yeah, there are. Look, yeah, the Xbox One's an interesting one as well. Yeah. You know, there was lots of pros and cons for both, and you know, some of the things that they had to drop because yep. of it were would have been great, but that's the way they decided to do the. You know, I mean, what if what if they were the next revolutionary technologies, and we just wanted to stay in the stone age what if i don't know yeah yeah you don't want to fight all progressions and yeah. things i mean some things are worth, the right ones yeah you gotta, and how do you decide which is the <laughs> exactly. right ones maybe some people are getting yeah. up in arms about something you think would be great and yeah. how do you start a counter protest or anything like that so it's a very complex issue yeah. and we need to always keep an eye on these sort of things to see how people are, are reacting to the way that we are uh, you know, the things that we love to play and, and enjoy. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pixel Sift. You can find our links to our website and the page is www.radiomurdoch.com slash pixelsift. Scott, where can people find us on social media? Uh, they can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift or twitter.com forward slash pixelsift. We're actually also on Twitch as well. Ooh. You can go to twitch.tv slash pixelsift. That's this week. You can see me just talking to a camera at the moment. That's all we've done. <laughs> Boring. So yeah. far. So far. But we'll, we're planning to expand it out. Mitch, where uh, can people go if they want to listen to other episodes of our show? Alright, check it out. So you can go to our Murdoch Radio page and to stream the episodes and subscribe to our podcast either on iTunes or using the RSS link on our page. Thanks a lot. Ciao. Bye. Bye.
Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 